Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including house churches, gathering times, and other resources, please visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Steve Fowler. Hey, we're in a series that we call Replant. And if you haven't been tracking with us these last couple of weeks, I just really want to encourage you to catch up because today will make more sense if you've heard the first two. Uh, let me just give you a little bit of recap because we're, we're not talking about just in the season of reopening. Uh, we're not talking about being a season of regathering. We're talking about a season of replanting. We looked at Acts chapters 1 through 6 and just looked at some of the highlights of the early church and noticed that these, these were the glory days of the church. But then you get to Acts chapter 7, and this is the disruption that takes place for the early church. And don't you just scratch your head sometimes when things are clipping along really well for you, and you're enjoying a really great season, and then it just gets interrupted. We talked about how our lives, we can have these great seasons together, then disruption comes, and sometimes God uses disruption to recalibrate us to his kingdom purposes. And you don't get the Acts chapter 8 through the Acts chapter 28 moments without the disruption of Acts chapter 7. We've been talking about how that applies for us. The disruption in, in the book of Acts is persecution in this last 15 months. Uh, it's been multiple disruptions, but probably the big one is the pandemic. And so we're just talking about what is God calling us to as we move forward? Last week, we looked at Exodus chapter 18, and we saw how Moses' father-in-law job shadowed him one day. What a great day that must have been for Moses, because at dinner time he's telling him all the ways he could do his job better, but Moses possesses humility, and Moses is the guy, but he's the bottleneck, and uh, people are, uh, they love his leisure, love that justice is being achieved, yet um, Moses needs to get other people in the game, so to speak, so that more justice, the justice can be multiplied. And we talked about how that move in the Old Testament is mirrored in the New Testament with how Jesus does discipleship. That Jesus will move us from come and see to go and be. This is what he desires for us. He wants to move us from being an audience to being an army, to being unengaged, a spectator, to being fully engaged and on mission. And uh, one author uh, says this, the words will be on the screen behind, behind me, just making notes of Jesus' ability to disciple. He says, in three years, Jesus was able to disciple a group of men, most of whom no one else would have chosen, and taught them to do and be like him in such a way that when released, they would change the course of human history forever. And let's just acknowledge that we would not be in the room today had Jesus not discipled those 12 the way he did. And if they didn't disciple new disciples the way they did, we wouldn't be here if people didn't go from come and see to go and be. But the question is, how did Jesus do it? How did he, how did he do it? What, what's the, the ways that he engaged people? And what I want to do is I want to take us to Matthew chapter 19. Read, for some of you, this will be a familiar story. It's the story of the rich young ruler. And I want to read this passage for us. And I just want to highlight two ways that Jesus grows disciples. Two ways. It's this one-two punch of discipleship found in this passage in Matthew chapter 19. And then, as we've been talking, then we're going, to get some, we're going to get specific about how this is impacting us as a church, specifically as we talk about replanting. So Matthew chapter 19, I want to begin reading in verse 16. I'm reading the, the New Living Translation. It says, someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me what is good? 
Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. I I obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. This is God's holy word. Jesus, in one of these classic moments where he is, he's, he's, Follow. He's got people who are following him, and he's, he's cultivating disciples. He's raising up disciples, and he has this one-two punch of discipleship. And you get it pretty quickly here. The first one is invitation. He invites a rich uh, leader, a, a wealthy man. Who's, he's, he's a leader, and he invites him. He gives him the invitation of a lifetime. Think about this. You get the invite to be with Jesus, to be up close, to be there and hear him pray, to be there and hear him teach, to see him perform miracles, to see lame men walk. You get access. That's what the invitation is all about. Access to Jesus, access to someone who is walking closely to Jesus, who could say to you, imitate me as I follow, as I follow Christ. It's, it's access to a loving environment, a safe environment, to a place of, where there's encouragement and there's, and there's just this warmth in this community. This is what this rich young ruler gets. He gets an invitation of a lifetime, but he doesn't just get the invitation. The invitation, as we're talking about, is the come and see. He doesn't just get invitation, he gets a challenge. But here's the challenge. Yes, I want you to follow me, but here's, here's the challenge for you. I want you to sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me, because then, then you will have eternal life. Now, let's just clarify this for a moment. Is that what it takes to follow Jesus? Are we supposed to sell everything we have and, and, and give it to the poor, and then, then we can be true followers of Jesus? No, no, that's, 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 not, that's not the gospel, but I also think we need to understand, that, as it is for this rich young ruler, that sometimes we have some idols in our life that actually keep us from fully following Jesus. This young ruler, this young leader could not accept the invitation because the challenge, the price was too high. And friends, sometimes Jesus will invite you into a deeper friendship with him and he'll say, well, first I want you to let go of this and you know what? You can't go deeper until you say no to that so you can say yes to Jesus. And that's what's happening in this story. It's the one-two punch of invitation and challenge. I want you to come and see, but guess what? There is a cost to following me, and for this young man, the one thing that he couldn't let go of was his wealth. And so he walked away sad. This invitation and challenge, let me just say this, my, my main idea. No one accidentally makes disciples. 
No one accidentally makes this. It's an intentional pursuit. Jesus is very intentional. He's encountering people and he's saying, look, I'm inviting you in. I want you to to be part of the audience. I want you to come and see. But guess what? I'm also wanting to move you to go and be. So there's going to be a challenge and you're going to need to rise to the challenge if you want to walk with me. No one accidentally makes disciples. Jesus did this intentionally and on purpose. And we'll just throw this on the screen. Some of you have seen this before. I didn't come up with this. This uh, from a guy named, named Mike Breen. But just look at this kind of as invitation challenge matrix. You have that, that vertical line there. That is the, the, the line of invitation. You got high invitation at the top, low invitation at the bottom. You have that horizontal line there taking place. And in that horizontal line, you've got low challenge and you've got high challenge. And if you think about discipleship environments, if you have a discipleship environment in which is low invitation and high challenge, what you get is a stressed discipleship culture. Sometimes what this looks like is legalism. Meaning, I gotta perform. I gotta do all this. I gotta, I gotta do all this stuff. I gotta, I gotta perform. Then, then, then God will accept me. And you live with this stress, and you don't have much access. You're just, be, you're just being talked to, and it creates stress. Or if you're in low invitation and low challenge, you're probably bored. You're wondering what the mission is. You, you don't know what your purpose is, and you're just putting in time. You're warm in a seat. Or if you're in low challenge and high invitation, you're in this place of comfort, because cozy culture. And if you're there, here's the interesting thing, is that you need to know that there are other people who are actually are carrying the load and carrying the burden so that you can come, and we want you to come, and you're invited to come so you can receive and so you can grow. And what ends up happening is it's so, it's just cozy, and really nothing is being called out of me. I don't really have to bring anything. I can participate. I'm invited. Someone else is carrying that burden or that, 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 that ministry so I could be part of it. But this is where Jesus lives. Jesus in, in discipleship. High invitation, high challenge. It's Matthew 19. He, this rich young ruler, that, that quadrant there is the empowered quadrant, the empowered culture of discipleship. You see, high invitation, you get access. Oh, but high challenge, it, it comes at, at, at a price. There, there's, there's a price for it. The rich young ruler, it was selling everything he had to give to the poor. For you and I, it might be different. But the thing is, what we need to ask ourselves is, where are we right now? Where are we? High invitation, low channel, high invitation, high channel. The reality is, is that for, for, for most in the North American church, they find most, most of us find ourselves in that cozy quadrant. And there's not a person in this room or watching that I believe doesn't want to be empowered. But the reality is if the the road to empowerment is through high challenge and to get from cozy to empowered, you actually dip down into stress. You ever done something, taken a risk, taken a step of faith and felt stress? It's a healthy stress. But most of the seasons in our life when we grow happen because we take a step of faith and that produces stress. For some of us, I think individually, this last year, it's... It's high challenge, low invitation, where all the information about how we live was dictated to us, and you were living in that, the world was living in this stress quadrant. We're not talking about discipleship, we're just talking about life. But when it comes to discipleship, this is how Jesus does discipleship. He invites us in, but then he puts the bar up, and you know what? The challenge is 
high. Now, let's just talk house churches for a while because we believe that God's been speaking to us. He's been talking to us about, look, come and see is really important. That's a great starting point. But he wants to grow us to go and be. Being, being part of the audience, that's an important place to begin. But, the, but you need to move to become part of the army, being on mission, engaged. And that doesn't happen. No one accidentally becomes a disciple. It doesn't just accidentally, you don't just accidentally move from come and see to go and be. That's actually an intentional pursuit. And this is where we believe house churches play such an important role in. Let me just spell it be on the screen here. We're just going to put a house up on, uh, on the screen here. Now, that house, that just represents a small group. It could be a Bible study, could be a recovery group, could be a scripture memory group. It's a gathering of people. And good things happen when people gather. You, you share life. You, you, you pray for one another. Uh, there's, there's great things that happen there. But in a house church, here's what's happening in a house church. It isn't just a small group. It's a small group with a leader and an apprentice. You have a leader there in green, and then the leader is looking for, okay, who is God raising up that actually could be, like Moses appointing someone over 1,000, over 100, or 50, or 10. Who is God working in that I could actually share ministry with? Our house churches have, we work with these four W's. There's a welcome time, there's a worship time, there's a time in the word, and a time for witness. And, and the leader is doing all that, but over time what happens is the leader begins to give some of that away. So eventually the apprentice is actually doing the four W's, and you get to this wonderful point in time where you give birth and you multiply. Now, what you're seeing on the screen there is it just looks like a 50-50 multiplication, but actually it can happen a whole different, a whole host of different ways. It could be just the leader who started the group just backing out and saying, okay, you guys keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to go start another one. Or it might be kind of a 50-50 thing. But here's the thing. It's always hard to say goodbye. Have you noticed that when Jesus was trying to tell his disciples that he was leaving, that they were like, no, 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 that's not, that's not good. But Jesus, know unless, Jesus knows unless he does say goodbye, the Spirit doesn't come and these guys don't become empowered. So we got these two groups, and these, these two house churches now inviting people into their house church, and those leaders are, are pointing out and identifying apprentices, and guess what? The time comes when it's time to back away because the apprentice is leading and you give birth again. And then those house churches, they begin identifying people in the neighborhood and people they work with and people that are coming to church, they invite them in and they look for someone who's a rising leader or a rising disciple maker. And, and they're invited and, and you grow and, and, and then you give birth. And you, you kind of sense what's going on. This is movement. This is, and then another leader is, is identified, and you give birth again. And before long, you, you have this movement of disciples. You have people going from audience to army. And guess what? It, it's not easy. It's actually quite difficult. It, it, you have to be tenacious. You have to be intentional because no one accidentally makes disciples. You go through the highs and lows together, and you get some dirt on your discipleship uniform, and sometimes it's thrown at you, and sometimes it's because you're just, you're just working hard, but ends up being that God is on the move. And the friends, here's, here's the thing. You go back to that first house. You go back to that first house. If that first house doesn't identify a leader and an apprentice, you don't get this. You don't get all of this. 
And Jesus knew very well that the way to get the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth was to disciple intentionally and then to say, okay, now, you go do it. You go and make disciples. Teach them everything I've taught you. Teach them to obey it and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm commissioning you. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm coming back. And friends, this is what we seem to be hearing from God in this season as we're replanting, is that God is inviting us in so that more of us can be engaged in what he is up to among us. Now, discipleship, there are core non-negotiables of discipleship. Methods come and go, and, what, and what, what, you know, what's acceptable and what, what's working, and those methods come and go. And people ask questions about this all the time. In fact, they asked it in Jesus' day. Someone posed Jesus this question in Luke chapter 5. It's up on the screen. One day, some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? This is a discipleship question. People are coming to Jesus and say, look, we've seen discipleship before, and here's what it looks like. People are praying. People are fasting. We get to see those spiritual disciplines being lived out. We see it commonly. Jesus, you're doing it kind of, it's weird, Jesus, because there's fasting and praying, and it seems that all you're doing is having a party. Explain this to us. And Jesus responds. He gives a couple metaphors. One of them happens to be wineskins. Verse 37 of that same chapter, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. A couple things Jesus is saying. Look, when God is doing something new, you need new structures to contain what he is doing. You can't put the new thing that God is doing in the old structures because what happens is it actually ruins both. The new is spilled out and lost, and the old is also broken, and it, it, it's brittle. It can't, it can't flex with the new that God is doing. And the second thing Jesus says is that in every one of us, we have a default in our lives. And you know what the default is? We don't like change. The old is just fine. The old wine is just fine. And frankly, in the last 15 to 16 months, I think we're kind of all sick of change. So much has changed. We're looking for something that's not changing. And then your pastor is standing up here and saying, guess what? We're changing. And you're going... Really? I think that's the challenge. The invitation to follow me, I think it's a challenge in these days. And Jesus is wanting to move us from audience to army, from come and see to go and be. And the challenge before us is, will we see the new thing that God is doing and take the risk and lean in with our whole hearts. Now, I want to invite Travis Rasloff to come join me up here on the platform. Travis is one of our pastors on staff. He pastors, uh, his, his title, he's, he pastors Adult and Family Ministries. And um, we, we want to talk a little bit about this. Remember, Jesus talked about the old and then the new. Uh, we, we just kind of want to talk about what's happening in our culture because uh, there's culture in here and there's culture out there. Talk to us about that. Yeah, ab absolutely. We, we can't talk about change and structure and all that without talking about culture. And like many of you, I, I grew up in church. So this, the screen behind me represents uh, a culture in Salem, Kaiser, Oregon. Uh, the circle represents Salem Alliance culture. 
Uh, I, I grew up in, in, in church culture, so I love what I've seen in this room and rooms just like this. Uh, and so many of us came into church like this through the front door. There were, there were sermons, there were great sermons. There was guys like Steve, there was guys like Jeff leading worship, and it was good. And we, we embraced what Jesus had for us through this culture. And then as we sat here and engaged, some of us went a little bit deeper and became known, noticed, and nurtured in places like community groups, in places like shepherding groups, Sunday school classes, and, and sub-parishes. And then in that realm, we even went deeper. Some of us and got involved in Bible studies. We, we met our, our good friends and went even deeper. And some of us in Bible studies, we met our spiritual friends. We went even deeper still and had wonderful conversations. And this culture that I have experienced most of my life is really good and is near and dear to my heart. It's something that I love. But the reality is our, our culture is changing. And our culture is changing so much that fewer and fewer people are coming through the front door of church like many of us have done over the years. So in light of that changed culture, we've got to change what we're doing in here. And so there's been a movement of house churches. And a number of years ago, in West Salem, in our neighborhood where my family lived, we had neighbors, great neighbors. We, our kids played together. We had pizza together. We, we enjoyed camaraderie together. And as we were hanging out, one day, it took a couple years, they asked me what I did for work. All pastors kind of gulp at that question because you never know what you're going to get. And I said, I'm a pastor at Salem Alliance Church. And my neighbor said, don't tell me about Jesus and don't invite me to church. Okay, we're still on for pizza? Okay, okay, we'll, we'll have pizza together. And we maintained a friendship. A couple of years later, they find out we have a free medical clinic right here that's put on by Salem Alliance in a partnership with other churches. And my neighbor asks me why. And in my home, sometimes in the driveway, we had spiritual conversations. And we were going places that we would have never gone in here because they don't want to come in here. There is something about their culture where they grew up in that they, they don't want to be here. But yet they were willing to have these conversations in my home. And it was beautiful. We were able to explain the gospel and share with them and, and carry on a conversation. So because of culture changing, I think things like this have to change. And in that change, we can still have spiritual friendships. And we can still engage in the culture that is Salem Alliance Church and is a church that we know it. Yeah, and as Travis, I've been talking about this, here's the reality. There was a day gone by when someone hit a speed bump in life, hit a pothole in life, uh, but maybe it's parenting, maybe it's finances, maybe it's something in a relationship. They, they saw the church as being a place that has solutions. Or maybe they were raising kids and they just want their kids to have good morals. They saw the church as a solution. That was culture back then. And so they walked to the front door. But now, culture doesn't necessarily see the church as having solutions. They actually see the church as being the problem. And so, coming through the front door, it's not that people won't come through the front door. Oh, no, no, they, they will. It's just that we need to build as many side doors as possible, and house churches are a great way for that to take place. Travis mentioned, here's the funny thing. We're talking about new and old. Travis mentioned a thing called sub-parishes, and most of us in the room have no idea what, what, what sub-parishes, what was that? Actually, sub-parishes were a form of house churches back in the day that were led by Pastor Don Bubna, where people were meeting in homes, and neighbors came in, and they were introduced to Jesus, and they grew, and they multiplied, and it's kind of funny. We're saying, this is a new thing we're doing. Actually, no, God just kind of 
He, you know, everything, you notice that, that shirt you had that was out of style is now in style again? It's, it seems like what God is doing, he's taking us back to what we were at just not that long ago. In fact, here's a video from a couple of our friends who were there during sub-parishes and who uh, experienced that, and just describe it for us, just kind of get a sense of what God did in those days. Enjoy this video. One of the things we, we saw as leaders uh, is that uh, people needed fellowship. Uh, you know, it wasn't, wasn't enough just to show up at the service and great services, great sermon, good prayer times, uh, but people were missing one another. So somewhere along there, Don Bubna and his uh, pastors came up with this idea called a sub-parish. And it's pretty simple in that they took areas of the city, Kaiser, East Salem, South Salem, different parts, West Salem, and they created what they called a sub-parish. We would all come to a home. We didn't come to the church for those things. There was sharing, there was praying, there was, uh, we often had communion as part of that. It all fit. Sub-parishes gave us that ability to develop leadership, and it worked. I mean, those many of those young people, I was in my what, tw late 20s, early 30s, and there were a number of us like that. We developed in those situations. Sometimes people would say to me, because if I remember, I, I was one of the leaders of the sub-parish in that terrible. Anyway, and I just said, uh, I used to say, really, I'm a pastor. I'm there to help and pastor people, you know, in their walk with Christ. Yeah, I didn't grow up in the church. I, uh, I didn't find Christ till I was 17 years old in a young life camp. And so when I found the church, right, invited into the church, it was the greatest thing. I loved church because I had never had a family like that, of people who cared for each other and loved each other. You have an opportunity to really have fun together and do things that are meaningful to one another, play games like board games or other things. So uh, yeah, house churches and sub-parishes and shepherding groups all give us that opportunity to connect. And it's uh, really special. I think, I'm really excited about the house church because what is happening still, big churches still going on, house churches going, some of it they come together, some of it they don't. The people in that house on that block can't be secret about what they're doing. They don't need to go door to door knocking, but it's gonna be very visible when people see cars and people in the yard and stuff. And as they walk back and, and ask what's happening, that's where, that's where it's going to happen. Because people in our city and in the world are looking for personal relationships. And that's where it's going to happen. Not being greeted by somebody at the door here. Yeah, it'll happen for people in here, but it's in my neighborhood. Love what Bruce and Anna and Al shared, and uh, and friends, let me just let's just let's just apply this for a moment. Let's bring it to today. So so what what do we do? 
Well, you're going to be hearing more about this, but here's the first thing I would say. Listen well to your excuses. Now, that might sound like a challenge. It is. As you think about going from come and see to go and be, I think there are things that pop into your mind, and they come into my mind, that, that thing, you know, things like, you know, you might, you might just go, well, you might, I mean, it's all about numbers. It's just all about getting bigger, and everybody wants to get bigger, and you just want to get bigger, and that's what this is all about. And can I just pause for a moment and ask you a question? How is the throne room of heaven going to be populated with people from every tongue, tribe, and nation if we don't actually reach out and draw people and send people so that they can hear about Jesus? I don't know about you, but I hope in the throne room of heaven there are a bunch of people from Salem and Kaiser, from the Willamette Valley region. I hope heaven is overpopulated with people from the Willamette Valley region. That, that because we were faithful and fruitful, that people came to know Jesus. The kingdom of God advanced here in our midst, and we had a chance to be part of it. It isn't just about number. We, we have no interest in making a great name for ourselves. That just sounds ridiculous. That's a Tower of Babel. But we are passionate about making a great name for Jesus. It's about his name and exalting his name, his name alone. Some of you may be thinking, I, just, I, don't know, I don't know if we have time for that. It just sounds like a big commitment. It is a big commitment. Remember, imitation and challenge. There's a cost. And you may be thinking, oh, you know, I don't have the time. And guess what? There are seasons of your life where time is it's hard to come by. That's just the reality of what it is. It, it is hard to come by. But I would encourage us to do this. Just do a time study on yourself for a week. Just, just everything you do in a week, just put it in your calendar, whatever. If you use your phone, if you have a written calendar, or just write down everything you do. Do it for a week. Maybe do it for two weeks. And then go back and look at it and say, what can I say no to so I can say yes to what Jesus is inviting me into? I think we need to listen well to our excuses. And sometimes, you know what? Sometimes your excuses are, they they aren't excuses, they're reasons. (laughs) But it's important to do some reflection on that. Here's the second thing I would say to you. I'm going to invite you to sign up and join a house church or sign up and lead a house church. We said last week that the disciples who followed Jesus followed him for three years, and they still had questions when they were done. Many of us feel incompetent, like, I don't know if I could do that. What if someone asked me a hard question? You, you just feel like, I, I, oh, I don't know. That just sounds so difficult. I don't know if I could do that. And look, can we just say that, you know, if you've been walking with Jesus for three years, you, 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 probably, you probably have more information than you, than you realize. And it's okay to say, I don't know, in order to lead others on this journey. Or maybe it's just joining. Travis and Morgan will be out there. You'll see a house church sign in the lobby. You can go and ask your questions. You could go tell them and say, I want to lead. This is something I believe God's calling me to. I want to join. There was a lady last night who was out there walking out in the lobby and, and uh, saw one of our people out there in the lobby and said, I just didn't want to make eye contact with you because I know I, my heart was kind of pounding like Jesus was saying lead. <laughs> Unfortunately, she made eye contact. <laughs> Had a great conversation. Looks, some of us in the room, Jesus is inviting. Yeah, and there's a challenge. It's, that's how he does it. That's how he moves us from audience to army. And if you're watching online, I just want to talk to you. Maybe you're in the room and you're part of a house church as well. Maybe you're doing lunch afterwards and you're going to process some of the the questions that have been written for you. 
But here, here's what I would say to you is uh, identify an apprentice. If you're in a house church, who, who is God raising up? Identify an apprentice and then set a multiplication date. Have a conversation with your house church coach. But be intentional about this because if we stay in sort of this cuddle and huddle, always, always together and never giving birth, guess what? There are so many people who aren't going to have a chance to that kind of, for that kind of community and that kind of access to Jesus. And the more we move from audience to army, the more we move from come and see to go and be, the more people will be introduced to Jesus and the more people will grow in Jesus. And we want to lift up the name. We want to exalt the name of Jesus. We want to be people who are engaged with the mission that he has given us for his great namesake and his namesake alone. Let's pray about that together. So, Lord, we lift up your name. We exalt you today. And we, Lord, we just, we see how you were so intentional, how you were so warm and inviting. At the same time, you stretched people, and you're still doing that. Lord, as we follow you, would you give us ears to clearly hear what your spirit is saying to us? Lord, may we be a people who, because we're on mission, see the kingdom of God advance Good news proclaimed, the sick being healed, the demon eyes set free, and this vision of a city at peace being God, with God being realized. We ask this for the sake of your son's great name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit at SalemAlliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.